You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. Now what? Join me, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Alan, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Soft Idolatry, episode... Eh, episode, the last episode of the Revelation series. How's that for an intro, Carissa? Yeah, I think Revelation just broke our ability to use numbers. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> they don't actually mean the number anyway. <laughs> well, either that or we're just trying to throw you off of the secret code until you spend more time deciphering our podcast. That's right. That's right. Is this season, what season are we in? Three. This, three. It's the, this is the last podcast of season three. Uh, yes. Correct. Or series three. We're not really even see. Well, I guess we're seasons if it's like summer, winter, spring, <laughs> fall yeah, kind of seasons. Or, yeah. Or like limited air cable shows, you know. Mid-season. Oh, yeah. Hey, in October, we'll do our mid-season premiere. <laughs> our yeah, mid- there you yeah. go. Perfect. I like it. Yeah. Revelation, huh? Whew. Yeah. <laughs> What what idiot wanted to do a serious sermon series on Revelation? You. The answer what? is you. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You that's are that right. idiot. <laughs> well, as as Obi Wan once said, "Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him?" Sweet. Did he just call us stupid? I I think he just said, "I'm rubber, you're glue." <laughs> what you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. I think that's what just happened there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so this was a little different than expected, wasn't it? Totally. Uh, you know, I I was doing this. I, I The idea came to me because I was starting to get questions from my parishioners related to the pandemic and everything else saying, Pastor, what do you think? Is this like... Is this what Revelation was predicting? And I thought, just stop, please. And then I thought, no, no, this is a teachable moment. Let's teach into this. And I thought, well, I remember hearing a really good scholar speak at PTS when we were in seminary, Craig Kirster. And uh, I said, well, I really liked what he had to say. Maybe I should... Uh, embrace my discomfort and work my way through Revelation. And I thought this would be interesting. I thought it would be informative. I thought it would illuminate something. But what I didn't expect was how much fun this whole journey was going to be. Yeah, especially because you were, I mean... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, I'm not sorry. Yeah, it was a lot more fun than I expected. I have preached pieces of Revelation before, but just the stuff in the lectionary. And I have had conversations with individuals about it before. Um, And I've handed N.T. Wright's commentary, Revelation for Everyone, to people in the past, because I find that that's a really accessible book. And that's what Rebecca and I used to teach the Bible study. And I feel like Bible study went... um, differently and better than I'd expected as well. I think we did have a a few folks that kind of dropped toward the end. We had a couple people we hadn't met before that came at the beginning and didn't come back. So I'm not sure if that was, if it wasn't what they had expected. 
Um, but I thought that that went really well too. How about you, Rebecca? Yeah, I think um, a lot of people go into Revelation thinking that um, it's going to kind of answer all of our questions about the world. Um, And then, like, what I mean by that is they kind of go into Revelation with uh, assumptions about what it's about. But as you're reading it, you realize, like, oh, wait, this is actually a book about Jesus, not about the demons and the dragons and the plagues. Um, So I think that kind of accounts to why some people dropped off towards the end of it, because I think they thought it was going to be for lack of a better word, sexier than it was. Yeah, and we I think we do that with a lot of scripture, for sure. Um, you know, we, we have something in mind that either we'd heard about it or picked up somehow or somewhere about it. And when that assumption or interpretation is challenged, we don't, live into the challenge but rather kind of double down um and it's and it's not even just the bible we do that with we do that with um political viewpoints you know any kind of like hot topic or anything that's near and dear to us so i think that's one of the hard parts about um books of the bible like revelation and one of the reasons maybe that there was such a hesitance at least on my part to dive into it in this way is that, you know, you can't talk about a book of scripture like Revelation without challenging some preconceived notions or entrenched ideas. Yeah, and those entrenched ideas could just be, ew, this is all creepy and weird stuff. Right, right. Yeah. You know, I, I certainly got some strange looks from people when I said, yeah, we're going to do a, a sermon series on Revelation. There were there was not a great... Among people who had only a cursory awareness of what was in the text, there was a, a great deal of hesitation. You know, everybody was afraid. Uh, Ooh, here's where the new pastor is going to get weird on us. <laughs> Or, or some other thing like that, you know, that, that all of a sudden the fire and brimstone was going to come out or the judgment or uh, just all of the crazy pants stuff that they thought was in Revelation. And they were presently pleasantly surprised, too. Um, I was very surprised as we were going through the sermon series, just how, um, how much it elicited vulnerability in us as preachers, um, particularly when we were kind of sharing our own personal stories kind of towards the end. So I was really curious if there were any uh, sermons during the sermon series that you got particular feedback on. Well, obviously... Yeah, maybe it's not that obvious, but unsurprisingly, I got lots of feedback on the the sermon that I did by myself about my cardiac procedures, and uh, in in which I hopefully made a good uh, drew drew good parallels between the process of revelation and studying scripture and needing to repent in our lives. Um, 
that certainly got a lot of feedback and you know it, it i did certainly put a little more out there than i normally would about what was going on with me personally but you know when you tell people uh yeah i might need to have sunday off because i don't know if i'll be recovered from a procedure you kind of need to explain why you're taking a day off with no, a sunday off with no notice yeah, I, I similarly got, um, well, I got f- feedback on two things. Uh, one of them was that the last sermon in the series for us actually was the one that I got feedback on for the vulnerability aspect. I had talked with some individuals and certainly with my session about the rheumatoid arthritis diagnosis I got about a year and a half ago. Because uh, I figured my session needs to know, you know, what's going on if I'm at extra doctor's appointments or I'm you know, calling in on a Wednesday saying, I'm not going to be in the office because I just feel like garbage today, that kind of thing. And, uh, but I hadn't like publicly said anything about that to the whole congregation. So that was the first time I talked about to that, that to them um, and kind of put like, um, we've talked about the pandemic at length ad nauseum <laughs> over the past few months. Cause I mean, we have to, right. Um, and, uh, but that was the first time that it had been a, look, this is the a very personal way that the pandemic affects people um, and why we need to be looking out for others and things. So I did get feedback on that. Uh, the other thing I got feedback on was folks uh, just thought it looked like we were having a lot of fun doing this together. They liked having three different voices in the discussion um, so that was that was nice for them to not just be hearing the same person doing a sermon series by themselves. Yeah, I think especially because of the pandemic, we were all reluctant to take time off. We all thought it was going to be too weird to ask for somebody to cover our pulpits electronically. And I know personally, I thought, What's the point in taking vacation? I can't go anywhere. So my congregation didn't get its usual breaks from me in the pulpit. And so we got to break it up and I got to expose my congregation to two really good preachers. Yeah, so my churches have been meeting in person uh, throughout this series, and the sermons that I got the most feedback on were the ones where we each wrote a different part. And I um I actually had my churches play a little bit of a game to see if they could identify who wrote which part, and they were spot on every week, uh, which on the one hand was encouraging, like they they know my voice as a preacher. On the other hand, it's like, oh... <laughs> not getting anything past them. So, <laughs> you're not yeah. you're not going to be doing any uh, sermon downloading off the internet. <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, this is a very I hope this is not a bunny trail, but like I've never understood people that take other people's sermons and try to pass them off as their own. And particularly as we were doing this sermon series, I had to do a lot of editing of the sermons to make them work in person. Like I actually had to preach Alan's sermon in person. So instead of using first person, I used second person and was like my friend Alan and and kind of shared the story that way. 
Um, but even so, I think that sermon really resonated with my people because all of them have had s- some kind of health concern um, and thinking about what does this mean and how am I going to have to change my life and what does what kind of change am I willing to live with? What kind of change is just not possible? Um, so even though I had to tweak it a little bit to, so that I could embody it, I think it was a sermon that everyone needed to hear. Yeah. And that, um, I'm, I'm curious then, you know, hearing that feedback about, um, hearing about us collaborating, um, the kind of the editing process that you had to do for live. I didn't even try to edit our sermons for, for the Saturday night live stuff by the Saturday night live. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I've not taken a new job, um, I would love to be on Saturday Night Live if uh, anyone's listening that is in charge. But uh, we were doing outdoor Saturday services twice a month. I just wrote a completely different sermon that night instead of going through that editing. Um, But, I mean, how does that for you then maybe change the way you preach in the future or adjust the way you preach or even just the way you see the preaching moment? Um, Thinking about this idea of vulnerability of um, collegiality, of different voices in the preaching moment? Like, how does that extend forward for you? Could you repeat the question? No. (laughs) (laughs) So I think one of the things I've learned in this process is that everyone has a unique way into the sermon, But once we're like in the sermon, kind of the exegetical work is very similar across all three of or or we at least sit in a place theologically that is we can be good conversation partners. Um, And one of the things that I love about preaching is the like finding my way into the text, sharing with everybody what I've learned while I've made this journey, but then also like quietly getting out of the text. Like I am not somebody who is up all night, every night wrestling with the text every week. That's just not who I am or how I function. So, so anyway, so I think this process has kind of forced me to take into account how other people write sermons and like their way in and how they stay there. Um, It's also encouraged me to be a little bit more vulnerable in my preaching. So One of the things that I think all of us have had to do a lot of work on is the difference between vulnerability in preaching and the difference in like oversharing in preaching. And I think, I think the last sermon that we did where we all shared our revelations was a good example of what vulnerability versus oversharing can look like. Um, All of the stories that we shared were stories that we have worked through with professionals uh, before we (laughs) shared them with the public. So we were able to kind of talk about them in a way that wasn't, oh, we're just kind of wandering around in the dark, feeling our way through this. Um, So yeah, so I think, I think encouraging me to be a little bit more vulnerable in my preaching has been helpful. Um, I think also just really encouraging me to, to look at texts that I wouldn't have otherwise. Like I was not super jazzed about revelation going into this. Um, and I think going forward, instead of just preaching from the gospels, I'm more interested in preaching from the prophetic literature and Paul's letters Um, and even the Old Testament. So I'm grateful for that. 
Yeah, I think one of the things that was very different about approaching Revelation is that we were all, well, I'll speak for myself, but but I think we're on the same page here. I was a lot less academic in my exegesis. Um, you know, the the whole idea of this series was we have a lot of people who are anxious and we need to speak peace into that anxiety. And though everybody would think that Revelation is exactly the wrong thing to study, it turns out it was a perfect thing to study, but not in an academic way, rather in a way that focuses on relationship. And so it suited the text to be more personal and vulnerable than usual. And it didn't require that sort of careful spot on exegesis that I know I'm going to take a lot of time. I'm going to invest a lot of time in if I am preaching on something that is more political in nature or controversial in nature. Like, I, I almost get defensive as I'm writing those that I'm anticipating the arguments and damn it, I am going to make sure my exegesis is solid from an academic perspective. Uh, and I didn't feel that need in this series. Yeah, I I would agree with that. It, it felt less, well, the sermons felt less academic, but I think um, for me, we were also leading the Bible study at the same time. And so that gave a different opportunity to delve into kind of the more academic side of things. We watched a lot of uh, like Bible project videos and things like that to talk about the more, the deeper exegetical type stuff. So, um, but I would agree with you that this is a time where everyone doesn't necessarily need to be hearing deep academic work right now. And that's not to say you shouldn't be doing your exegesis and you shouldn't be doing hard work for preaching, but that there are different like feels to sermons. And right now academia is not the right feel for a sermon. No, none, none of us had the uh, urge to start a sentence with Brueggemann says, or in the Greek, <laughs> actually, I'm sure I said that at least once. There's no way I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I well, did. In the very first sermon I did. Yeah. I'm sure I did too, but I think the function of preaching during a pandemic is a little bit different than it is during ordinary time. Like for me personally, if you do not walk away from my sermon with a message of hope that will at least, that is at least something that you can refer back to on the, on the days when your kid is screaming, the cat has puked, the internet won't work, um... Your immersion you, blender breaks. Your immersion, like, right. <laughs> I And I feel a little bit less that I'm like, and I feel like I'm scolding people a little bit less too. Not that I'm like a scolder, but like one of my, one of my pastoral themes that I preach on all the time is um, how not to be an asshole. And I've, <laughs> I've, I've kind of dialed that back a little bit in this, in this pandemic time. And I've kind of ramped up. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? 
Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. <laughs> um, there is hope and there is grace and the kingdom of God is unfolding all around us. Yeah, I would agree with that. With a little dash of here's some ways that you can take that hope then to others. Yeah. Yes. I yes. agree. Yeah, I haven't done a whole lot of scolding recently either. Yeah. And even, it's so interesting because I remember four years ago when we were preparing for a presidential election in our country, I was much more motivated to preach political sermons. And it's not that I won't preach one during this time, but it's more of like, I feel like people are not going to hear that if they don't know that they are a beloved and baptized child of God. And that's what I want to hit over the head right now, because there is so much division and animosity and just anger everywhere that for the 12 to 15 minutes that I have people's attention on Sunday, I want to use it um, so that they know without a doubt that Jesus loves them and that because they are loved, they are free to love others. So there were, the, this was interesting to kind of figure out logistics of this. It's very different to organize an order and preach with three people in the mix <laughs> than with one person in the mix. And, um, that is not to say that this isn't something I would love to do again. Um, I do like the idea. I do summer sermon series pretty much every year because, frankly, the lectionary bores me in the summer. <laughs> and so I take that opportunity. I've gone through Acts. I've gone through uh, First and Second Corinthians. You know, just pick a different book. And um, this was a lot more fun because there were other voices in the mix. And um, that said, I think we learned some important things about putting these kinds of, <laughs> of sermons together for five different churches. I mean, what do you feel some of the big like takeaways are or maybe things that, you know, if we do this over this winter or the spring or next summer or whatever, what, what would be some things that you would maybe want to do differently? More planning time. Uh, more prep ahead. I, I think we uh, we probably could devote uh, some sort of retreat time to planning something like this. Uh, I, th I think it needed that. Not that I think any of our congregations would said would say that it turned out poorly. Um, but I. I the not feeling like I'm flying by the seat of my pants is is actually something I like, even if it might appear at many times to other people that that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> Whether it's so is confused or it right now. <laughs> hmm. Meanwhile, there's me for whom normal order of operations is seat of the pants flying. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't even understand what that expression means. Flying by the I am somebody. I am somebody who has already ordered my sacred ordinary time calendar for Advent, and it's September. Yeah, um, I may or may not have gotten mine as well. I need that sort of thing in my life to keep me ordered a little bit. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think that 
there were there were weeks where we got to Monday looking at the following Sunday and realized we hadn't nailed down the texts or something like that. So yeah, I think maybe um, we had like a broad outline, but yeah, specifics might be helpful. Um, even, even by way of like who's off when and that kind of thing. Now, we're in a pandemic right now, and Alan, you yeah, had a that, health thing going on. Mm-hmm. My kid's school is just hit the fan, you know. So this summer, I don't know that we could have no. fixed that piece, but <laughs> I, I agree with you overall. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the things I will say that I was kind of shocked by was I really appreciated the weekly rhythm of like we get together on Monday to kind of talk about our plan for the week and we get together Wednesday or Thursday to do the podcast. Um, As somebody who lives alone and whose life is now basically all on Zoom, I thought in the beginning, I was like, oh, I can't do another Zoom meeting. But I, I actually found the process of collaborating, collaborative sermon planning to be really life giving. Um, So I would be open to continuing that in the future. Rebecca, you have now discovered the original reason for this podcast. Yes, we're actually dun, here dun, dun. for ourselves at least <laughs> as much, but probably more than we are for anyone who's who's listening. Um, yeah, I agree with that. The, In fact, Alan and I uh, even talked this morning about our sermons for this Sunday, even though we're not recording a podcast <laughs> for that particular sermon, but because we've gotten into that rhythm of Monday, we check in and say, okay, what are your, what are your texts? What are you preaching on? What are the common themes? And then Wednesday or Thursday we record. And um, yeah, there's something about that, that rhythm. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it gets back to some really ancient practices like rule of life. Um, and I think it's a reminder that we have this sort of micro community, but again, getting back to the text, Revelation is a letter sent to communities. We're not supposed to do this alone. Revelation doesn't happen alone. Yes, sometimes Saul might have a road to Damascus conversion, although he wasn't exactly alone then either. But other than some of those few stories of the, uh, the loud, uh, the mighty wind and the clarion call, we discern God's call mostly through community and through the still small voice. And Uh, It might be the still small voice that we hear first, but what prevents us from forming our own cults is that we have communities to which we can take these ideas and discuss. Yeah, I agree. Um, So how do you think then... So we've already touched on how in the past we would see Revelation and go, ugh. (laughs) But now we've seen all this rich life in it, right? We've seen hope. We've seen salvation. um, We have seen um, 
um, community, as, as you mentioned, Alan, um, the greatness of God, the defeat of sin and death and darkness, redemption, recreation, resurrection, all of these beautiful themes that we see throughout scripture. Um, so how might this change the way that you approach revelation in the future then having now gone through it? Cause I found for myself, anytime I do a sermon series on a book of the Bible, when it comes up in the lectionary later on, I'm much more excited about seeing it there. No doubt. Uh, I would definitely love to have another bite at the apple sometime in the future and not just the, the handful of times it shows up in the lectionary. I was going to say All Saints Day is coming. We're going to get some revelation then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. With, without a doubt. Uh, <laughs> and, and in fact, it's, it, isn't it our last text, uh, chapter 21, verses 1 through 6? That's usually the one, yeah. 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 Generally. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think um, not only will I be excited to preach on it then, but it would be fun at some point in the future either with my current congregation or with some other congregation to walk through this again. Um, maybe certainly in a very different season uh, without a pandemic, but it might be interesting to uh, do a Lenten series on Revelation or uh, an Advent series on Revelation or something. You know, look at it in a different cycle um, and, and see what we learn comparing Revelation texts to one of the other seasonal texts, for instance. Just for an example. Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. And sometimes it does come up in Advent. And I hadn't thought of that until just now. Um, that might change the way I look at it in Advent, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, I could... I could really see, um, you know, a sermon that holds Mary's Magnificat up against something in Revelation. You know, yeah. Mary, Mary's Magnificat and the Whore of Babylon. I think it would also be really interesting, instead of preaching on the Axed passage for Pentecost, like looking at the letters to the seven churches. Mm. Oh, Yeah. And kind of saying like, okay, like instead of instead of talking about Pentecost as the birthday of the church, or even if you want to keep talking about it as the birthday of the church, let's let's see where where we're headed, and let's yeah, well, see what that has to say for the church of today. Right. Where 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 did those smoldering embers go on the wind? Yes. Um, and and I could I could imagine a really interesting dramatic reading where you get into you know, we're not some of these people Elamites and, you know, and if they mention any of those places where there are congregations in Asia Minor, um, you know, like you start reading some of uh, the Pentecost text and then you flip out into part of Revelation. You know, you could just have a long dramatic reading and then uh, some sort of discussion about the two things be a very different kind of sermon but it could be a lot of fun yeah i agree i agree um did you did either of you get any pushback 
from anyone on on Revelation throughout the series or any um anyone who seemed dissatisfied with not getting the answers to the secret code or anything like that? No, nothing like that. Um granted many of my most of this series was preached online um, digitally, so it wasn't like it was necessarily fresh for somebody. It was it wasn't the same as people greeting you as they're leaving the sanctuary, saying "Nice sermon, Pastor," or or not saying "Nice sermon, Pastor." Right. <laughs> I do. I miss that actually in the whole the whole digital preaching thing. Like a whole lot can be expressed to you in a handshake or. <laughs> You know, um, there's some people that that always say nice sermon pastor because they're a nice person and they're just saying, nice, you know, they want to compliment you. There's some mm-hmm. people who when they say that was a great sermon today, you're like, wow, it really must have been because <laughs> right. you never compliment my sermon. There's other people who when they say, well, that was an interesting sermon or something like that, you know, that like that you're about to lose there's your job. something behind that right there. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> and I kind of I miss that those moments after the service of of having that kind of feedback. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I really feel like living through this pandemic is the closest thing I have experienced in my life to what it must have been like to live through one of the world wars. And what I mean by that is like your life changes in the blink of an eye and all of a sudden choices that you had before are like no longer available to you. And I really feel like this sermon series in the midst of this pandemic has really helped me relate to my older congregants. Um, I am really blessed that I have congregants that have lived through the Great Depression and served in World War II, um, or like they were children during World War II. And I think before this pandemic, I didn't really understand sacrifice. Um, I didn't really understand like making difficult decisions for the common good. Um, like I just like a silly example. When I started at one of my churches, um, I had a, a lady there who um i found was like reusing coffee grinds for the coffee for our um for our um coffee hour and i remember at the time being like oh my gosh this is gonna make the coffee taste terrible but like in her mind she was like but it's better to have bad coffee than no coffee and i didn't understand that choice um until until i went through this pandemic and i was like okay like you can either see somebody on a computer or you can not see them at all. Like those are your choices because the option of gathering with people right now is not on the table. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And I'm grateful for the way that this sermon series has, has bridged some generational gaps. Very cool. That's a, that's a, that's a great perspective and we will not, uh, we will not make any snarky comments about generational gaps on this podcast. Oh it's my gosh. We're generation last night X, I was... We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> La- guys, last night I was in a finance meeting where they started talking about m- the millennial housing market and nobody on the call realized that I'm a millennial. That was great. But my favorite was when you got told that you when were a I millennial. Was, yeah. I was recently called a millennial as an insult and I was like, uh. excuse me. 
I'm Generation X. I just sit back and watch it all burn. Yeah. <laughs> we stay we stay out of this like whole like boomers millennial war because like you know we we stay out of this until some young person okay boomers us <laughs> correct or some boomer millennials us and we're like excuse me I was I, I born think, in the seventies thank you very much I fortunately or unfortunately I have too much gray hair for that to be a problem um, but I have definitely okay boomered you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. I think we're getting a little bit off track. I, we, I think we might have wrapped up all we've got to wrap up here. Uh, yes, I, th- <laughs> I think it has been. this has been revealed to us. I, yes, it has been revealed to us that it is not the end of times, but it is, in fact, the end of this series. Amen. You see? Wow. Uh, that was pretty clever there, wasn't it? I did all right I there. mean, sure. We'll go with it. Um, hey, Rebecca, would you care to pray and offer a blessing and then I will wrap it up and get us out of here? Sweet. So you want me to pray and bless or you want me to pray and. OK, pray and bless. Correct. You can edit that out if you want. I know. I know you know how to do that. You do it. Twice a, a week. Living. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I would love to pray and bless. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that this Revelation sermon series has been to us as preachers and hopefully to our congregations navigating this new world that uh, is being birthed into being. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us as we go from this place, as we head to our churches in whatever form they are gathering these days. Lord, I am excited and invigorated by the new possibilities for creative ministry that this pandemic is giving us. I pray that uh, you would continue to give us the courage and the boldness and the energy that we need to see some of these dreams come to fruition. In your son, Jesus's precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. So I would like to offer uh, a word of blessing today. And this is the blessing that I offer to my churches as they are heading into the world and into the week. Uh, So this is the blessing. You go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has a plan and God has a purpose to you being there. Christ who dwells in you has something he wants to do through you, wherever you are. Believe this and go in his grace and love and power. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Soft Idolatry. We're going to be taking a break for a couple of weeks and we'll be uh, back with you uh, at the beginning of October as regularly scheduled. And uh, so we'll look forward to talking to you then. Hey, guys. Yes. Um, So I know this guy who's a flat earther. And he decided to walk to the end of the world to prove it was flat. Don't worry. In the end, he came around.
Mm. Uh-huh. So, so, something that Listen, has there's been only re- so many funny end-of-the-world jokes that aren't offensive. <laughs> that is not wrong. The, this, this whole study has revealed to me something very interesting, and, and that is how much God truly loves aquatic mammals. Come on, you both have to know there's a time for every porpoise under heaven. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Yeah. Um, On that note, folks, you got a twofer. uh, Hold you over until the next season of Soft Idolatry. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Soft Idolatry. For show notes and more information, check out our website at softidolatry.com. To send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com slash softidolatry. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.